Okay, hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, I'll go ahead and start us with prayer. <clears throat> I got it. We just thank you for the body. We thank you that we can fellowship um, in you with one another. You draw us together as you draw us to yourself. Lord, I just pray that you would lead today, that, that your word would be understood, that we would know you more after this morning, and that uh, what gets brought forward here by me and by everyone else who speaks would be um, edifying and glorifying to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, my style, you may have learned by now, I was a little more interactive. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, to do pop quizzes or gotchas. I just, I, I'm just, there's stuff that you haven't thought about that I'm going to ask you to think about, and you're going to have to speak off the top of your head so that we can all share with one another. So, and that, that goes for Cole too. Um, so today, the topic this morning is repentance. And, um, you know, that may feel like I'm meddling a little bit and it, and I don't, I don't think I will though. And I, I think that it's, it's just this word that is it really, the, the backstory here came up in a, um, a conversation that I was having with a, a friend and we were talking about someone who is just struggling in a, in a cycle of addiction. And this person claims that they are a Christian, and it seemed like the conversation was, was partially going back and forth of, well, are they a Christian or aren't they a Christian? And if they are a Christian, why are they struggling in addiction? And or why are they going through this cycle of, um, of uh, up and down? And, um, I, and I, so I just want to kind of put some of these ideas in front of you and, and get everyone's feedback on it. Um, but the, but I guess a really strong word in my mind throughout that conversation was repentance. If, if we, um, what is this, what does this word mean? But it, it was, it was like pretty prominent in my mind of this person just hasn't repented. And I was thinking, well, they, it's, it, why is it that we wanted to make it so complicated, but I felt like it was simple and I'm okay. If you tell me that I'm wrong today, um, I'm open to hear that, but I, I, I feel like repentance is an important thing. And then that caused me to really think through it and go back through the word and say, what is this idea of repentance and when do we need to repent? And, um, so I'll tell you a little story. When I was back in South Carolina, I got into a, a habit sometimes with some of my friends, we would take morning walks and, uh, before I would go to work and we'd meet up, we'd get up really early and go take a walk somewhere and, and just talk. And sometimes there were prayer walks. Sometimes they were just walk and talk kind of walks. And I met with a friend. Um, we met at the Lake Murray Dam and we were walking from the Irmo side to the Lexington side. And that's a pretty long walk. And we didn't have all that time. So we were kind of watching, watching the time as we went. And um, when it was, when we got about halfway through our clock, we knew that we had to we we knew that we had to get back to the cars. So I said, "All right, it's time to repent." And <laughs> he uh, he chuckled a little bit, and we looked at each other, and we both like you know pivoted on our heels and started heading back to Irmo. And um, and maybe maybe that's too oversimplifying what repentance is, but and it's and it's 
you know, it has physical impacts, but it's also something in your mind where you were heading in a direction solidly. And if you continued to move with the things that you were moving in, you were going to go in that direction. And I would have experienced Lexington, you know, and I, and I would have seen that side, but uh, we turned around and where we were going is no longer, was no longer in front of us. We were headed somewhere else completely. And all I, if I just kept moving, I was never going to hit Lexington. I was definitely going to hit Irmo. And that's, I think it's the idea of repentance. That's what I have in my head. Uh, but I want to explore it a little bit more scripturally because it's, it's not just a physical pivoting on your heels and physically moving in a different direction other than you were, but it's in your mind. And our minds are notoriously difficult to change. We are um, stubborn a lot. Um, there's all kinds of rebukes and scriptures and explanations about people. You know, we Israel was called stiff-necked and just not going to change my mind. And and we get and and so I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but there's going to be some talk about the mind this morning and why why kind of we we do what we do. But we, as we, and I'll get into scriptures here in just a minute, but as, as we, you know, as we move along in life, we hear things and they influence our mind. We experience things and they influence our mind. We, we draw conclusions based on what we hear. We draw conclusions based on what we experience. I was in eighth grade and someone, I said something and nope, and they, the teacher didn't understand me. And I remember distinctly in the, today that in, in that moment in eighth grade, I decided I will never, ever forget how I feel right now when someone disrespected me and completely misunderstood. And I will never do that to someone else. Like, I remember that we, we have these moments that where we make decisions and I'll also say that we make agreements with things. We make agreements with, um, with ideas. We make agreements with ideologies. We make agreements with um, maybe even physical things about it's okay or it's not okay. And those little decisions form our path. I call those things, and, I'm, and I'll probably bring those words up. I'm just trying to define what I would call biases and experiences. Our, we, we end up, no matter whatever situation we come in, even this morning, we come in with some sort of a bias. We lean in some sort of a direction for some reason. Um, a billion reasons cause us to lean in certain directions. And that is, that is what we bring to the table, all of us. And um, I, and so I, what I want to talk about today is some of those are good and some of those are not good. And what is the work of the Lord in our life as, you know, as we grow, I guess, as we are sanctified, as we mature and as we walk in Christ, what happens to these things, these biases, these experiences, these leanings? And these decisions and agreements that we've made all along the way. That's kind of the idea for this morning. So if you'll, um, my, I guess my, my personal favorite verse right now has been for about 
three and a half, maybe four years is Matthew 9.13. And we're just going to start on Matthew 9.13. And I did a session here on Matthew 9.13. And, um, and that's because the Lord was teaching me about mercy. And um, I just wish he would have done it 20 years sooner. But at Matthew 9, 13, and I, I'm going to read from the King James. I, I study the ESV, but there's a particular word in here that I actually didn't realize until I was prepping for this study. And I went back through 9, 9 13 in the King James. So in the King James, Jesus says, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Now, my Bible doesn't end with repentance. My Bible says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And, and, um, and, we, and, and in this moment, this is when Jesus was dining with the tax collectors and the Pharisees accused him. And, um, and they were saying, why does, why does, why is Jesus hanging out with the sinners? And Jesus said, well, that's, they're the ones who need me. And, 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 and it's sort of somewhat, I don't, I don't, I guess I feel like Jesus had some sarcasm, but definitely some, um, in a, in a, maybe a sarcastic way. He's like, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinners and implying maybe just, he doesn't, maybe it's not sarcasm, but it's assumptive language where he's, a, he's implying that the Pharisees were, righteous and if you're righteous you don't need help and he, he prefaced that with if you're not sick you don't need a doctor um and and again but what he's what he's implying is they had a mindset that they believed they were righteous and maybe we should um maybe we should pause here and before we get any further and i'll just ask you considering either the scriptures that you know or or things that you've talked about what might why might the pharisees uh, the scribes and the pharisees why might they have been considered righteous and why might they have thought themselves righteous anybody they were law keepers okay law keepers in what, in what sense? The fact that they were Pharisees and religious leaders and very political, most of them very wealthy, and um, I think as Christ was addressing them, they thought they were going to indoctrinate him to their club, perhaps. Okay, and that is where I want to go. I want to consider what do, what do we think was happening in their minds? What was going on in the minds? The heart of it was is that they wanted to, they were saving themselves. They were building up their own righteousness. Pride. They and thought they were their own God. They did. Okay. They believed they were the standard of behavior, it seems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a self-righteousness. Now, I don't have the chapter and verse on this one, but I, I know it's there. And uh, um, they, 
they taught these things, but they, and this is in Jesus, I think later in Matthew where, but they didn't practice. He says you is when he's doing all the woes and he says they, they teach these things, but they don't practice them. It's kind of some, some hypocrisy there. They, they believe they were righteous. Okay. Cause they were law keepers and they had, they were the standard bearers of behavior and their job was to produce an image of religion and their job was to cause others to follow in that um oh let me ask you this did they need to change their mind and what and what did they need to change their mind about they needed to realize that they were sinners and that they needed christ it would their minds and their hearts would have had to have changed their mind and heart the same thing speak up i'll just say is their mind and their heart the same thing he's cool says is their mind and their heart the same thing because i think it's one it's one thing to change and make little decisions in your head about change but to truly change it has to come from the heart mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. go hand in hand that's true that actually we're going to hit on that today is that there's um I love that point. There's a, um, uh, let me go back to walking across the dam. My friend and I, we could have said, you know, it'd probably be a good idea to turn around and go back to Irmo. Yeah, yeah, we really should. Um, it's getting late. We're going to be late for work. And if we just kept walking forward while talking about going back to Irmo and not being <laughs> late to work and what a good idea it was. I was, a, we were, we would have, where would we have found ourselves in the next 20 minutes if we just gave mental assent to the idea of turning around? Where would we have been? Lexington. Uh, who wants to be in Lexington? So <laughs> just kidding. There's so much sand in Lexington. Um, <laughs> no, you, it's, it's, it can't just be in your mind it has to cole said it has to translate to your heart and that's where that's where maybe the conviction that's that is where the real um work comes in where you put your heel down you pivot and you find yourself moving in another direction you know if you're if this person that i started the meeting with um, stuck in the cycle of addiction um, they're wanting to get intoxicated. There's so many ways to get your mind intoxicated and varying degrees of being intoxicated um, that people just pick their way or they pick their three or five or 10 ways to get intoxicated. Um, they, they, can, they can agree with themselves that maybe they're, it's too much. They can agree with themselves that I should probably stop that. Um, but I mean, that's why we use the word addiction. It's hard and it, and it draws you and it calls back to you physically, emotionally and mentally. And so you have to, you, you can't just agree with the idea that maybe you ought to slow down a little bit, but um, there's something that has to happen to convert that to your heart, to make it a reality in your life. That's, that is repentance it's a word we don't use it's a religious word today i i'm guessing i don't know that if it was such a religious word maybe it was um i, I feel like it was maybe a common thing 
in in the language. But okay, let me let me switch gears a little bit. John the Baptist. What was going on with John the Baptist? If I maybe uh, if I have a verse for John the Baptist, which, and I do, um, I think we can go to Matthew chapter three verse two. Let's just take a look at Matthew chapter three verse two. And let's let's take a look at the message of John the Baptist. And we'll spend the next five minutes or so, 10 minutes exploring John the Baptist. Maybe I'll have you read it, Dave. Okay, uh, I'll read uh, verses one through three. Um, in those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Okay, what was the message of John the Baptist? Anybody? Repent. Repent. Well, yeah, we, we notice in the scripture uh, that what John did was called a baptism of repentance. And as far as I see it, the baptism of John uh, for the people, because Christ had not died yet. Uh, was a baptism um, that demonstrated that uh, they needed to turn their lives around. They needed to walk differently. Uh, but something was added to that then, I think, in the baptism that came uh, after Jesus Christ. True. True. So the baptism of John, and we're going to dig more into the baptism of John in a little bit. It gets over into Matthew 21. But the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance. It was not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was not the baptism of Christ. Why, why would we need why? I just ask you why. What, what's the why, John? Why the message of repent? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why baptisms of John? What do you think? Well, one of the first things we would have to ask was being dipped in the water uh really what it was about <laughs> just symbolic 
So speak out. Symbolic. It was a symbolic representation of what was going to take place after the cross that we would be placed in Christ, which if I'm understanding right, that all of this pivots on that. There's the repentance and then there's the placing of that person into Christ. Let's well, yeah. We're, we're given but, the tools then. But this isn't quite the baptism of Christ yet. This is John's yeah. baptism. Patty, Patty. Yes. Um he's preparing the way of the Lord. Yeah. He's preparing for him coming. Mm -hmm. So when the Bible says straight is the gate and narrow is the way, uh, and few there shall be that find it, uh, is he referring uh, to at least uh, the walk that uh, he's calling us for? when he calls us to repentance. By the way, what does repentance literally mean? To change your mind. There is a decision to be made. Now, what goes into the power to make that decision is another thing altogether. But mm -hmm. without that decision, all the rest of the things that we might do that uh, we feel would be, uh, um, you know, pleasing to God, without that one decision, uh, we're nowhere. So in, in this day, and, and when John was coming, you know, there hadn't been a strong voice of prophecy for a while, hundreds of years. Um, I'm no expert. I don't know kind of what the what the culture was, um, but there was a lot of a lot of um, idol worship going on, I would say. And, and there was there was probably a lot of agreements in people's lives, maybe some addictions, a lot of addictions. Um, there was situationally, there were, um, people were not on a path towards any sense of righteousness. And if you're going to go plant a garden, are you just going to walk up to hard, rocky soil and toss your seeds out there? No, you're not. You're going to till that ground. You're going to have to break the ground, turn it over. And there's some effort. There's a sincerity in that. And that's one of the ways I look at John's baptism is, is it was, um, it was, it was, an, it was expressing a measure of sincerity to this idea of, um, I'm sure John said more than uh, repent. Um, but he, but they knew, they knew in their hearts what they needed to change their mind about. They knew um, that something was happening and his message resonated with a lot of people and there were a lot of baptisms and there was a level of sincerity about we're going to change. Now we know that they didn't have the power to make that change complete. Um, there's only so far we can go in our own strength before 
we run out of gas. No matter how sincere our decision was or how, how strongly we wanted to change, our flesh runs out of gas in being able to do that. But this, but this baptism was a, it was, I think it was for the person being baptized to kind of, we, we do things to prove to ourselves that, that we're sincere. And then we demonstrate to others that we're, we're joining with them in our sincerity. But this was the message of John. And uh, maybe just one, one more question. I, I, I would like to know what you think. I know what I think and I'll share it, but what, why was John, what do you think makes, it's not clearly expressed in the scriptures. But what what makes John the greatest prophet? John the Baptist. Jesus said he was the greatest of the prophets. I may have already um, over over hinted what I think made him, but maybe just any have you anybody have any ideas on what what would have made John the Baptist the greatest prophet per Jesus? Because it was prophetically showing what was to come in Christ. Maybe because he was the one that was directly pointed directly to Christ. He was the one right immediately prior to Christ and was there at the same time that Christ was came and was there. Well, yeah. John did make a big deal out of the fact that that he was paving the way for Christ mm -hmm. and one of the things the people were in dire need of in his day is they had developed uh, an absolute uh, well a religion of good works and yeah. of keeping of the law and all of that had to go um, that may have been more difficult than anything else any of the other prophets were up against i don't know yeah. well, john the baptist is the only prophet that actually seen christ yeah i i think we're hitting on it so if you just go research you just go Google what makes John the Baptist the greatest. What what you all just shared here isn't what shows up. <laughs> other, other reasons show up, but I, I'm in agreement with what you're saying. It was his message. It was his direct, immediate message of repentance. Prepare for the man, Jesus, and I can point you to him and stand next to him and show you that my message is leading you to his message. And I'm unworthy to untie or tie his sandals, is what John said. He's like, I, I know that this is the very clear answer to what's going on here. And there was no other prophets that, that had the ability that were able to do that. And John the Baptist was compared to Elijah. Um, it wasn't immediately clear what Elijah's message was, but I'll, and I won't make you go there, but back in 1 Kings 17, 18, 19, you know the big deal with Elijah when he went up and gathered the 950 prophets of Baal and they had this big fire showdown. And, um, there was a message of repentance. If you go back and look, that, that was a message of 
change your mind about who you worship. Change your mind about where you think true power comes from. And there was a message of repentance in there. What was the message of Jonah? Why did God, and Jonah didn't, I went back and looked. Jonah did not tell Nineveh to repent. What was Jonah's message to Nineveh that he didn't, that he so strongly didn't want to share? Maybe that's too fine of a point. That's a gotcha question. Well, uh, that they were, they were not acceptable to God. And uh, that, I don't know. <laughs> so Jonah, Jonah's message. They were not he, righteous. Not righteous. What he said was, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was his message. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And the people of Nineveh believed God. That's I'm just looking in Jonah chapter three, but there was a decree. There was a proclamation that went through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way. And from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And then in verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. The message of repentance came from the king of Nineveh as a necessity to not being destroyed. Mm. And Jonah wanted them to be punished. Oh, yeah. And the whole, the whole chapter four is God dealing with Jonah, just shaking his head. So Jonah, you care more about this little tree that I sprouted up and killed more than you care about this city of a hundred and whatever, 50,000 people. Selfish man. Yeah. That was the message to Nineveh. Repent. I ask you another question. What was Jesus's first message when he started teaching and preaching? And I can tell you the verse. I wouldn't expect you to have memorized the first words that came out of Jesus's mouth, and I'm not 100% sure that they are, but one chapter later in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, we see Jesus start to teach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is his hand. Now he now that's saying something is at hand, like the guy telling you. <laughs> yeah. 
repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John's words were repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's a pretty common theme here, but Jesus taught repentance and so much more. Andy, I know uh, you know this, um, but of course I spend quite a bit of time watching this preacher or that preacher. Uh, one of the uh, complaints that I hear so often from from many preachers and what I also notice even when he doesn't say it is that uh, the idea of repentance uh, is unknown to many people uh, church going people it just they just don't get it I agree. I agree. Um, I if I if I if I pick up that lead and run with it, I'm going to rant for the next 30 minutes about the behaviors of the modern church. Yeah. <laughs> but we teach we teach dependency. We teach dependence on men. That's what we do. Isaac's got a question. Go ahead, Isaac. Um, just just we're we're talking about sinners here so we're talking about unbelievers is there oh. repent is that right well I, good point i see where you're going keep going finish the question is, is their repentance any different than the sin of a believer you mean their unrepentance no i mean i mean just give an example like the guy that's got the addiction problem if he is truly saved and he is repenting for it is it different than the repentance uh that would bring you to salvation is there a difference is repentance repentance no matter what yeah if it's for the believer or unbeliever. unbeliever or believer let's turn to luke chapter three that's a great question there's a timeline a before and after and when it, yeah and this gets into people's theologies is is um um this is a thank you isaac this is a perfect segue to this topic we're gonna we're gonna camp here for a minute um so let's go to luke three three verse eight i'll read it he said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Basically, law stuff, inheritance stuff. Um, every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he just started giving some things. Share what you've got. <laughs> be, be re, I, mean, I mean, we can we can go through it. But just that phrase came to mind when you asked the question, Isaac, of keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Um, maybe I'll open it up. Do other folks think that that so clearly there's a repentance? I, so I would argue that the repentance before the Holy Spirit quickens us is is part of it 
Um, but there's also, this is a really important portion of the study that we need to get into. What is, what, what is going on in our mind and what is the need for repentance after we have the Holy Spirit and we've been quickened uh, by the life of Christ in us? Uh, Dave made a quote. He doesn't remember it because I mentioned it to him yesterday. This okay. is 20, not quite 20 years ago, 18 years ago, I get off on the timeline. But we we were doing a really important study on, we were going through the Bible, looking up all the definitions of the words of knowledge. What does it knowledge mean and and um, and what's going on in your mind? And um, Dave at the time was was helping me and he was making a big deal about What's happened in our spirit, the life, this maybe in a moment, you know, we've been quickened, quickened, you know, as you've been given new life, as you've been born again, raised to life as a believer. But that doesn't necessarily immediately transform every thought in our mind and every experience that we've had and every decision that we've made. And those thoughts that I had in the hallway in eighth grade, they don't immediately poof and get quickened into some some righteous knowledge about who God is. And I still walk after I'm quickened, after I'm born again, I still walk and I bring to the table my biases and my experiences. And they still influence me and the decisions that I make and the words that I say and my attitudes about situations. So there, there is a need, something has to happen in our mind after Christ. Yeah, I think it, it Romans, Romans 8, well, oh, eight, eight, eight talks about the carnally minded or spiritually minded. Um, I can think in my mind and myself and carnally about something and say, oh, I'm going to do that because that's good. That's good, or I need to do that, or I should do that. That's a carnal thought. But a spiritually-minded thought is in conjunction and alive through the spirit. Then that produces a repentance of true heart. So I'm, I'm going to add to Judas because I this is what came to my mind was 2 Corinthians 7.10 where it's this the for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation which could be a study all on its own because even as someone saved there will be times many times of repentance that's leading to that sanctifying salvation of the change of mind and the change of thoughts and the change of heart and what motivates us. Second Corinthians 7 is an important section this on is, this. This is Father Andy. Um, we're going to take a part of your time here. <laughs> um, you know, we've made a big deal of repentance before we're actually indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But is that to say that the Holy Spirit didn't have something to do with that repentance? He, well, he, had, he, had, he to. had to. That's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. So for me, just to say, I won't do thus and so mm -hmm. again, and I decide I'm really not going to do that again, or, 
or I am going to, whatever it is, I am going to do it again. Uh, um, it, will that, is that effective? Or must it be a saying yes to the Holy Spirit regarding that's wrong and I don't want to feel that which accompanies being wrong with God. Um, so God's in it, it seems to me, uh, all the way. The scripture says, no man comes unless the Father draws him. And that's got to be uh, a verse that deals with, with coming to Christ, uh, but before even uh, that that brings us up to the point where the next step can be made um, so God's in it all the way and without God being in it all the way or without us being pliable to uh, the work of God to bring us to repentance uh, no matter or no amount of good intentions are really going to do job. Well, Romans 12, you know, this our famous verse. And the good news about this group here is it's um, it's a it's a more consistent and easier message to say all all of our ability to do any of this comes from God and the Holy Spirit continually. Um, we, we can't muster this up in our own strength if it's going to have any lasting power at all, any staying power. And we know that in, in Romans 12, but that's a difficult message, um, I guess. It's not a common message. Um, but in Romans 12, 1 and 2, what do we do? I mean, it's very, it's very we, we break this open all the time. We present ourselves. A living sacrifice. And, that's, and then in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our minds after Christ and as we present ourselves to Christ as a, like the one decision we have to make, present, and then he trans our minds get transformed. He transforms our minds. Why does our mind, I'll just add why. Why does my mind need to be transformed? We've already put it on the table a few times. Well, kind of piggybacking on what Dave was saying, that you know, when uh, when any of us came to Christ or accepted Christ. You know, there, there's, it's almost literally impossible for us to remember all the sins we committed, depending on what age, of course, you accepted Christ. But, you know, your basic acknowledgement is, hey, I'm a sinner. I, I acknowledge, I understand I'm a sinner. I've done whatever, these countless bad things. And basically, each of us in, all, in our own way, we were living for ourselves. We weren't living for Christ. We weren't living for any other purpose other than just ourselves. Um, and that, you know, obviously has a major turnaround, whereas 
once we're in, once we're in Christ and once we are make that decision to live for him rather than ourselves, you know, you, then that comes into instant incidents like your friend with the addiction, you know, he, he should be, the spirit should be acknowledging and teaching, teaching him, Hey, this is, this is wrong. And he needs to turn away from that behavior and he needs to understand and acknowledge that, you know, I'm not that person anymore, living for myself, living for my own pleasure, living for my own desires and, you know, walk the, walk in a different direction. I think we want to say when we're talking about addictions and things like that, that if you are truly saved, God will bring you to that. If, if you are truly saved, his, he will not fail if that is truly the desire of that individual. And I, I was saved when I was three, and you would have thought, okay, well, what could I have done by the age of three? There's no doubt I was saved at three in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And, but God has had to still work in me to bring me, and there's been decisions that I've had to make and failures, big failures, willful failures. And it it's always, it's always been God's work to, in me to bring me through. I would, I would argue that we have to change our mind daily. Absolutely. I think that, that's absolutely. right. That's more, than, that. that's right. more than once a day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's all, right. The time. All, all the time. time. All the time. That's our walk, so, changing our mind on the way, the way that we used to think to the way we think now. You change your mind. And, and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in us. That yeah. we agree with God. That's, That's what our, our mind has changed as we learn. We see him. We recognize him. We learn more about him. And we agree with him. That agreement changes our minds. Our, our thoughts get transformed. Our desires get transformed through the Holy Spirit. Just through his through knowing him, it's that reminds. That remind, yeah, that reminds me of the verse that delight thyself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. When we're walking daily with Him and constantly in fellowship with Him and all that, then our desires are going to be His desires. So obviously, we're going to be fulfilling those. We we carry we carry a lot of tension in our. And everything we second guess ourselves we do things that we know was selfish we'll snap or snip or something and then oh you know and, it, and it's hard to apologize it's hard to acknowledge or recognize that um you know what our part what we feel so offended by someone else that we feel justified there's so much tension in our in our moment to moment and there's even that there's so much shame that we carry from little things, from big things, from continual things, from long ago past things that we have to, the Lord is working all of this for us and on our behalf, leading us to recognize his role in our life and the, and the future we have with him and the freedom we have and all of this, all of those thoughts require us to change our mind about who we are, 
who he is and who these people around us are and what this is all about. Um, this is the work of the Lord. But I, he, it, the work is heavily in our minds. Romans 8 through and through talks a lot about the mindset. Um, we see in Romans 12, your mind is being transformed, but we have to, we have to agree. We, we have to choose to present ourselves to this, to this life. Um, so I, there's a, go ahead. I, I have a, so I was thinking about this and uh, it's, it's, it just goes back to the beginning of, like, the beginning of our conversation, but um, uh, in Luke 24, 44, uh, whenever, whenever Jesus on the cross. Um, so I guess when he came back, some of his first words were, um, now he said to them, there, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you and all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and of Psalms must be fulfilled, which is, his, which is, a, which is the law, and he fulfilled that for Jesus. Then he's opened their minds and understands the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ uh, would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in the name of Jesus uh, to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You uh, are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending forth the promise, which is the spirit of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high mm -hmm. but i was discussing how it was it's through jesus that's how we get our repentance we that's right to him. It, it it's got to come from god because we don't have it that's right thank you so much for sharing that and and it says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures are it's almost, it's great. Spiritually things, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. This is the Holy Spirit communicating with himself in us and translating these things to us. We don't have the, we, we can't make righteous decisions about God. We don't even understand him if we don't have him. So as when we get him, he opens our minds to understand the scriptures and he has to go in there and do the work of, of uh, retuning. Yes. And Remind Psalm 139. Me. Go ahead, Alice. Go ahead. Uh, Romans, I think, uh, too, says that the the mercy, it's by the mercy of God that we mm. come to repentance. And I beseech therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I was thinking about the one that says um, that the goodness forbearance and the long suffering not knowing that the goodness of god leadeth thee to repentance hey andy yeah it's all his good work yeah go ahead Brad. um that reminds me i don't know if i've ever shared this or not before but it reminds me of a something that i've never forgotten years ago somebody had said this the uh passage in um in psalms that we were pretty well known we all know that you know surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life the actual um 23 translation of that word um follow everywhere else in the old testament is is translated like pursue 
like yeah. you know when David's armies pursued the enemy, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of gives a whole new context and meaning to that passage when, yeah. you know, like God's two sheepdogs are mercy and goodness are pursuing us rather than just following us. Right. He's chasing us down. That's yes. exactly what that verse says. Yeah. He's, he is, yes. Thank you. Yeah. He is chasing us down. There's that song, uh, worship song out today. It's one of my top of my list. Your goodness is coming after. It's coming after me. That is Psalm 23, verse 6. And we it does. It's, it just sounds so soft and mellow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But you're right, Fred. He's not following us. He is chasing us down, pursuing us. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. So Psalm 139, David's writing, he's he's upset when he's writing it, he's getting attacked, he's like, God, take care of my enemies. But at the very end of Psalm 139, there's a, there's a bit of a, I think this is you know, in um, part of salvation. If you flip to Psalm 139, you know these verses, these are famous stuff. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. For us to come to that place, normally we're hiding. We're hiding from God. We're hiding our secrets and our, our nastiness. But for us to sort of agree with God and, and, and open that, you know, peel back the barbed wire off of the metal padlocked door and say, God, know me. I invite you to come in and look at my most difficult, tangled up, dangerous areas. And I need you in that place to work through that. And I trust that you will lead me in the way everlasting. That's what David was saying here. God, search me. Know everything about me, even everything that I'm hiding from you. And lead me. And that causes, that's, that is a prayer of repentance. That is a prayer of changing our mind to say, I can't hide. I'm not going to hide from God anymore. He is big enough to carry me through whatever this difficulty, whatever my problems are. When we invite him in, that's agreement, that's repentance, that's changing our mind. And that is real. It's not just an idea. It's, it's real in our life. Very quickly, Andy, uh, in, the, in the first chapter of First John, we have sin, the words, S-I-N, used in two different ways the first way it says if we say that we have no sin we lie and the truth is not in us uh, and uh, it also says if we say we have not sinned then the same thing is true. And so just for people listening, 
sin, sin always starts. Sin always comes out of a reservoir of sin. We, until the day that we get new bodies, we are going to have sin in the flesh dwelling with us constantly. That means that he must be dealt with constantly. And uh, when we are tempted, we don't sin until we decide to follow after that temptation. And so we have sin that's there, and we have then sin that becomes action. And both of those uh, must be dealt with when we think about repentance. Thank you, Dave. And the good news is that we know in Romans 6 that before Christ, we were enslaved to that reservoir of sin. That's right. And we had to obey it. We didn't have the power not to. And that seems weird. I don't think people understand that. But when we have been born again, we died to that reservoir and we are no longer enslaved it's there but we are no longer chained to it we are no longer bound to it and just because our past experiences repeatedly remind us that it was there and we would draw from it and we can see it every day and we had to before we don't now and like a like a a dog released from a chain on a tree we can we can move on but many people their chain gets cut and they don't realize it and they stay by the tree. Yeah. Because they were there for so long. That's what they remember. That's what they're what makes them comfortable. But we're free now. It's we're not enslaved like we were. And we can agree with God. Well, uh just thank you everybody for your inputs. We got through almost everything I wanted to get through today. And we're not gonna go through the other for so homework is Matthew 21 where Jesus is being challenged by the Pharisees about the baptism or he, they about authority. And he says, well, I'll give you your answer on authority. If you give me mine, where was the baptism of John? Where did that come from? But You're later, right. and, and he just goes in and we, we won't dive into it. I guess I'll just kind of complete that thought for you. But what I wanted to bring out there is in, in John chapter 21 is the parable of the two sons. And one of them, maybe I'll just leave you with it. And one, well, one of the two sons. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. No, I just was going to say, we just uh, did that, Andy. Go ahead. Okay. So that's okay. appropriate. Well, well, I mean, the, a, a father asked his two sons to go out in the field. And, and, and one of them said, no, I'm not going to do it. And the other one said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But the one who said he wasn't going to do it changed his mind. And he went out and he worked in the field. And the one who said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. He never showed up. <laughs> and Jesus which said, which one was know? justified? Yeah. All right. So, so which one was justified? Which one was justified? Yeah. The one that showed up. That's right. Because <laughs> that's what we got to do is you got to show up. We can make agreements. We can make decisions and we can be wrong, people. 
It's so you can be wrong. You are wrong. It's okay to change your mind. And that's what Jesus is telling the Pharisees in that moment. And he, he even concludes it. And he said, yeah, the one who changed his mind and showed up, he was the good one. He was right. Because we're, you know, we're, we're flawed. We, we, we get it. We're impulsive. Right? We have emotions. We have, you know, maybe it was, I don't know, maybe, you know, whatever. Well, I'm going to explain why he said no. And he did it. But Jesus went in and he said, John came to you. Okay. So John, for John came to you in the way of righteousness. I'm in John, Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, 21, verse 32, 21, 32. John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. We know John's message, repent. And this is Jesus. And, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. We're right back to Matthew 9, 13. Those who think they're healthy don't need a doctor. I'm here for those who are sick. Those who think they're righteous, they don't need me. They don't need to repent. They're perfect. <clears throat> he said, and then what he says, and even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. That was the message. That's condemnation, y'all. If you don't change your mind, you're condemned. That's right. This is the work of the Lord in our lives. It is. He's constantly changing our minds. And that's okay. Let him. That's that's our call. Present ourselves to him. Say, Lord, know me. Know all my anxious thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me. Lead me in the life everlasting. And your mind and my mind will be transformed daily. Mm -hmm. so thank you all for the opportunity here this morning and thanks for the participation made it right. a lot Andy, better uh, awesome. why don't I ask if uh, Judas wouldn't call some prayer for us dear Heavenly Father I just want to thank you for who you are and thank you for today Lord and the, the fellowship and the open discussion on a on a topic that seems so um, elementary, mm -hmm. but yet it's so deep. And it, um, we probably don't look at it um, often enough. Mm -hmm. um, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity for repentance in the beginning uh, mm -hmm. when, when we were lost. And I thank you for that in by the spirit in the lives that we are now, Lord, in you, that we are able to look at the the things of the flesh and the things of the world and and be able to look at that and turn away, Lord. I just, I, it's it's astonishing that that, and I'm almost without words that that is how we are transformed. Into your son's image, Lord, that we may know you more, Lord, that we seek your face and and we don't want to turn from you, Lord. And, and in that repentance, when we do, Lord, you bring us closer to conformity, Lord. I just thank you for everyone who spoke here today, Lord, and everyone who didn't. Lord, I, I thank you for the message of salvation and then 
the message of us being transformed, Lord, all through the same word. And, and it's grace. Mm -hmm. And we don't deserve either of those. But yet, as Fred said, Lord, you pursued us yeah. and you followed after us yeah. and not one of those people and individuals out there in the world today lord if you're pursuing them and you have picked them they will turn lord i just thank you for everything that you are and everything that you've done in our lives and thank you for this body that we have here lord that that um supports and encourages one another lord and for the truth and lord the truth that your scripture reveals and that we can all have a commonality and come to a, an agreement on the things of the scripture lord it's it's amazing and it is by your spirit and i just thank you for that and i just love you and praise your holy name in jesus name thank you amen. Amen. amen thank you very much andy that was excellent yes Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity.